0: Thunderstorm warning and very hot weather warning are both currently in effect. The news from RTHK. Good morning
1: and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Andrew Work and my co inquisitor, Torquemada Style, today is Mike Rouse. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Andrew. The planning department on Monday temporarily rezoned a part of the golf course in Fanling from residential to undetermined. But that doesn't mean the government isn't clear about what it wants. The Development Minister Bernadette Lim straight up says the government still plans to build public flats on a part of the golf course. She added that she couldn't give a concrete timetable for the development and said the original goal of 12,000 homes may not be met, but flats will come. The change comes as the golf club is scheduled to host the Aramco Golf Tournament in October. It has also been shortlisted for hosting the Saudi Arabia-backed Live Golf Tournament next year. After 9.45, we're going to find out about an extinct close-to-human species that may have been the first to bury their dead and create symbols, maybe even math. We want to know what you think. You can leave a message here on our Facebook page, or you can email us at backchat at or give us a call on 233-88266. And getting into it with our guest today, we'd like to welcome Hannah Jung, the Head of Valuation and Advisory Services at Colliers International. Hello, Hannah. Hannah, Good morning, you Andrew. Yeah. Good morning, Hannah. Great to have you on the show. And uh, right here, live in the studio, is Timothy Pearson Smith, Managing Director and Founder of Executive Council Limited. Good morning, Timothy. Good morning. Great to have you on the show. Uh, before we get started, uh, a topic like this, we have some interests to declare, and there are some around the table. I uh, I'm, I'm interested because I went and had the the, the eco tour and was very very impressed with what I saw out there in terms of the uh, rare species represented both flora and fauna. Um, but I think some other people have some more material interests. Mike, I know you've got something you want to put on the yeah, table.
2: Yeah, i got to, I got to say right up front that I am actually one of the objectors uh, to the zoning. Officially. Of like you, yes.
1: you. you, you, you and I have, a representation. I have a
2: hearing um, date and time Fine. already in front of the town planning board. So, Okay. i, I got to put that out straight out there. I, I, I'll try and be impartial and professional in the questions I ask. But you That's always it. are, Mike. And my wife has a company which is a consultant to the golf club. Okay. So I'm, I'm afraid in our household this is... This is game over.
1: Well, as long as you put it out there, the listeners can make up their own uh, their, their own opinions about it. Timothy, anything you want to put on the table?
3: Uh, absolutely. Um, I am a consultant to the golf club and okay. proudly have been since 2018. My role is to basically uh, stakeholder outreach. So I've been mm-hmm. involved in probably hundreds of tours, taking people around to see the cultural assets, the biodiversity and the amazing, unique uh, landscape of Fanling Golf Course.
1: Mm-hmm. Including the one I went on, which is why I thought we That's should get you on the show. correct. H- Hannah, um, well, I'm not aware of any conflicts of interest. Do you have any you want to declare before we get started? No, None. I'm good. You're good, okay. Well, Anna, with that, we'll let you kick off then. What is the significance of this rezoning to undetermined? That's a, presumably a technical term. Can you kind of let our listeners know what that means?
4: So undetermined is really government try to earn some time because the the study hasn't really finalized, and they 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 come up with the idea that oh maybe such a high density development may not be really um, possibly possible impact the area. So I think undetermined is un, undetermined is something very new, but I think this is some this is something good, the right direction the government announced because they will give it plenty of time. And also the government was very clear that they will rejoin the land uh, from 1st of September. So it's not like, oh, they're giving away, but this is something um, they want to earn some time to study the, the, the area.
1: Is there precedent? Are there, are there other, like you say, it's, it's new, but has it been used before the, the designation of undetermined anywhere in Hong Kong that people would recognize?
4: As long as I know, um, no.
1: Oh, so this is a new thing. Mike? Yeah. I, I'm, Mike,
2: not, do you know I'm not sure that it's completely new in the sense that there are bits of town plans where you don't know what you're going to do with them yet. But mm-hmm. this yeah, one so
4: was. like comprehensive development area, it's right. subject to your uh, op- uh, application, and then there will be approval procedure. I, exactly. But undetermined is something quite new, but and I, I think it's I more temporarily from the government. It's the, it's the
2: change that's new. Something mm. that was designated for housing and then is suddenly, oh, Back, well, backed it, it, it now, it's, so
1: it's but we still
2: plan to put housing there, okay. And I, I, I could ask Anna, let's devil make advocate supposing housing gets the go ahead, what is the sort of standard of housing? What kind of housing would be suitable in that particular location?
4: So, the currently, I think originally is a residential zone A, which can be the really density development, but if we uh, even you know the the golf coast is thirty two hectares and they they only plan to um, build on uh, take away around nine hectares to build those residential but again, I think that the ecological value there even you don't touch some of the tree or even you remove some of a relocate trees somewhere else once you build those infrastructure like sewage drainage um, water pipes anything it will destroy the underneath the earth, and that, that, will, also, that will impact the, the area, the remaining um, the, the, the green area. So I think for me, if you ask me what is the right density, I think it, it should be balanced out from a uh, ratio of a 9 to really in, in, in the middle, because if you just build some houses there, like low rise houses, it's not really worthwhile to knock it down, and it's for public housing, so they have to consider more number of units, but I think building up to the maximum density is not really desirable for uh, the remaining um, hectares of gold coal.
1: Mm. Yeah, Tim?
3: Yeah, if I could just add really just to clarify, it is complex for your listeners, but uh, if I can just rewind back to last year, that any development project <clears throat> um, proposed has to get an environmental approval Um and there's a gatekeeper for that, which is an advisory body, the Advisory Council on the Environment, and they get given all of the environmental assessments and they can choose ones that they're concerned about. Um, They deemed in their first review of it in 2022 that the EIA, to their words, was insufficient and they required an extra seven or eight months of additional work to uh, enhance it and make it possibly approvable. Uh, which the government did and came back with that uh, in May. Um, again, I say ACE is a gatekeeper and, and it's a very important role. When they saw the additional work, uh, they still had quite major reservations. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ACE have no power to um, prevent a project, but they did impose conditions. So it's a conditional approval that that has been given by... EPD by the director of environmental protection, and those conditions are statutory, so they have to be done, and they were quite onerous actually. In in that they required um, almost a replanning exercise of the the layout, come up with a detailed layout, respect and honour the <clears throat> the huge number of uh, ecologically important and old trees, avoid those, right. In the middle of the site, there was a 100-year-old wood, uh, which they said must be preserved. So Not, not
1: just one tree, a forest. A forest, forest of that, yeah. yeah.
3: And basically, so what, what the delay and the re- requirement for this undetermined is, that is not a quick fix. Mm. These are big things that need to be resolved, and it can't be going ahead until that's done. Um, the government estimate that's going to take 18 months. That shows the scale of it. And after that, the Director of Environmental Protection would have to give their determination of whether that then satisfies legally all the conditions. So it's a lot of work. Um, Our knowledge of the site means that the potential for high-rise housing reduces, reduces massively. And so we would be eager to see what's happened. But it's a stopgap. Mm-hmm. The undetermined mm-hmm. is to give government, as Hammer said, time to study this and go back to the authority, see whether it's permissible.
1: Okay, I got an email from Frank. Uh, Frank's gonna throw a lot in the mix and Hannah, you're gonna be able to you know, get your teeth into this as I'm sure Tim will. Frank says, I'd be grateful if you can consider why the government still seems hell bent on developing Fanling Golf Course. The oldest 18-hole golf course in Asia and an important piece of Hong Kong's cultural heritage when you consider the following. Number one, I guess we start taking notes. The plan for the northern metropolis, which has arisen since the 2018 Task Force for Land Supply, Hung Yi Cook, just gave the government a great idea to develop an ecologically insignificant site very close by, which could house even more people. Uh, The huge amount of brownfield sites in the northern NT, Hong Kong's declining population. Many events take place at Fanling Golf Course that are of interest to the public, like cross-country races, tree climbing championships, and golf is a very popular sport. Public can play here. Uh, So that's from Frank. Uh, I knew about the cross-country races. I think my daughter did one out there many years ago. Tree climbing championships. Is that a thing, Tim? Uh,
3: Yes, it is. And my daughter also did the cross-country as many, many Hong Kong school kids have done.
1: Huh. So, um, getting into these, uh, the plan for northern. Mater- okay, so uh, maybe maybe we'll use Frank to like set some of these up. Uh, I'll start with the Hung Yi Cook uh, site next door. I've seen reference to that, and I believe Bernadette Lim might have addressed that suggestion in her remarks. But Hannah, Hannah are you familiar with that proposal?
4: Yeah. So I think the the chairman Kenneth Lau came up with the proposal using around eight point five hectares in Ping Tong Chun which is a village they have an abandoned farmland and some uh, quarter huts i think that that will build around 12,000 sites. and i think it's really it they, they mentioned it's not substituting the gulf coast thing but i think this is a good idea that realizing some of the existing brown fields and also hong kong we don't really have agricultural business here so u- utilizing those abandoned farm occupied by those containers um, some car fixing things. I think this is a really right direction. So yeah, I also agree with the audience that um, my my opinion, not representing the firm, but I think of course part of the Gulf Coast redevelopment, redevelopment should come to the last resources and then look for more opportunities on the brownfield or working with the developers to participate on the, the public housing development in the north area.
1: Yeah, Timothy, have you have you heard about this uh, this, brown, this uh, Hung Yi Cook? So I've, I've
3: only uh, read about it in the paper, so okay. I'm, I'm a bit unsighted on that. But I can comment on some of Frank's points. Uh, he's correct. It's the oldest 18-hole whole golf course uh, in Asia. And the redevelopment that's proposed by the government will make that, uh, end that, basically, because uh, the old course is going to be taken away. Uh, so we will lose that. Uh, In terms of Northern Metropolis, I think that's an excellent point, and we were quite surprised when the EIA came out in May last year, because eight months before, seven or eight months before, the uh, Northern Metropolis development plan had come out, and yet there's no reference to that in the EIA. Um, And I think that was picked up by ACE, because one of the recommendations in terms of all of this massive rework that has to be done, is to basically look at the integration of the site, uh, not only with uh, regard to the cultural heritage and the uh, the value of the three golf courses, but the integration of the site within Northern Metropolis. And, and the site is slap bang in the middle of the Northern Metropolis. We wrote to Mrs. Lam, the chief executive, um, in March of uh, 2022, quite a long paper that we shared that we felt that we had a great role to play. We supported strategic, large-scale development to satiate the planning needs. Uh, and so that is something that the consultants have to do uh, to top it up. Um, in terms of Brownfield site, I think Hannah's much better qualified uh, than me, But uh, and declining population also, but but in terms of public events, the. I think there's a perception that the golf course is is only for a small number and yet it has huge social value and public purpose uh you mentioned the cross-country uh universities i work with uh vtc they do their environmental diploma higher diploma they use the Fanling golf course as a basically a large lab Uh, HKU use it. We have 10 schools that use it. It's used for sport, uh, non-golf sport, uh, lots of charitable content. And unfortunately, the most important part of the golf course for all of those is the old course. Again, the area that government has has highlighted for for redevelopment.
2: I want to be gentle here. Um, (laughs) This is one of the few world-class sporting venues in the whole of hong kong and it's just beginning to produce world-class players Mm. both men and women and the government has sport as a priority and in order to show its support for development of sport it's going to drive a whacking great bulldozer up the fairway i i just find the the juxtaposition uh, incomprehensible
3: yeah. well we, we we did have a spectacular success for hong kong sport uh, obviously we had a good uh, last couple of olympics but we had a tournament at fanling we were responding to the chief executive's request to hold more international events we are all part of the recovery process of hong kong that's so important for our internationalists but we had basically a local winner homegrown tai chi uh, tai chi ko won the World City Championships the week before the Rugby Sevens. Uh, I think he's an objector to the the proposals. You would probably imagine that that yeah. would be the case. So, you know, golf is uh, a, a big sport internationally. It's in the top 10 sports. When we hold the Hong Kong open, which we'll be proudly doing in November, uh, and we have held since 1959, we would expect to have nearly half a billion households watching that around the world. That's how important it is. And it shows a very different type of Hong Kong. It shows the green lung, the fantastic cultural landscape. Mm -hmm. It shows the close proximity of something that's real, that we are connected to our northern boundary to the greater Bay Area and Shenzhen. Golf is a very popular sport in Hong Kong. The golf courses are all full at the moment. We've got less courses than than many other cities of similar sort of scale, Um, but we have, I think it's around about over 40% of the golf is actually played by non-members. Again, not many people Mm -hmm. would know that. And we host the many, many societies who play golf. We have a driving range that's open to the public and is very popular. Um, so, you know, we, we feel that we have a contribution way beyond the a few members occupying this land. Yep.
2: Let me throw, Tim, the same question that I threw at Hannah before. Put all of the arguments for doing nothing aside, and let's say we're going to have housing, do we have very high-rise public housing in that in that site? Or uh,
3: Yes, um, what's proposed actually would be one of the largest public housing estates in Hong Kong, it certainly will be the densest. There are 12, about 150 meter tall high rise, uh, packed into a nine hectare area, uh, which is a a very small site, uh, leaving very little uh, expectancy that any of the very few number of trees that are retained after that, uh, that those trees will survive. So incredibly dense. Not a good location in my own professional opinion because it's not well-connected. It's more than a kilometres walk to Shengshui MTR. Uh, The number of buses and minibuses that will go onto those roads are huge. Uh, You are next door, our neighbour is currently a 600-bed uh, district Hospital, the, the North District Hospital, which is being expanded to 2100 beds mm. and has on the same single access to the government's proposed site, the access to the accident and emergency. And that was one of the major concerns that the North District Council, the Xiong Shui District Rural Committee, they were very, very fearful. The congestion on those roads are very bad at the moment. Mm the putting uh, 33,600 people on that site is just going to compound it. So I think those are very real fears.
2: So uh, if you're gonna have a, a cottage there, it would be low rise, high, high value, real estate. Uh,
1: I don't think if, anybody's if, talking about putting a cottage yeah, on the yeah, I
2: think. but as I say, if you're looking at it purely from the point of view of housing, we're going to have housing there, given all the things about that site, what kind of housing would you have?
3: I would have no housing but uh, I would probably be you'd expect me to say that I think the you know we, we know the cultural heritage the values in terms of the ecology we know it better than anyone else and to be frank we shared that generously back in 2018 with the task force on land supply we shared it to the EPD in 2019 and we've made various submissions in the last two years again transparently sharing that information we know that the cultural heritage value is Mm. world-class we know that the biodiversity is really important we took christine lowe who many of your listeners will know to cite on one of these visits in 2021 she said there's a kaleidoscope of of stories and she reminded me that the president she one of his big pillars is called ecological civilization. She reminded us that that's very important to protect the biodiversity that we have. So mm-hmm. to answer your question, it would be no housing. I think the current use is uh, 110 years of meticulous management. Uh, we basically really see ourselves as stewards and custodians. We believe that the combined use of golf public access in terms of uh, every evening from 6 till 10. Any member of the public can use our car park for free and walk themselves, their kids, Mm. their dogs. We know that we uh, have been rather constrained frankly by Covid that we haven't been able to 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 further do that. We've made proposals and we're we're looking forward to rolling those out but um, we believe that the the current use is is the best use of the site. It protects 110 years of history. It protects the biodiversity and any other use, we believe, uh, will compromise the site.
1: I mean, so so assuming this goes ahead, if I was a property owner in that area, it sounds like having the golf course in the neighborhood would be a plus for people that, you know, want to use it. And like you said, walking out. But but Hannah, um, mm-hmm. uh, for other, I mean, if this goes in, is the area going to be considered more congested and therefore less valuable for other current Property owners in the area, or they're going to get better shopping, so maybe their val- property values will go up. Be- or, you know, they're expanding the hospital. Which way does this fall? What does it do for current property owners in the area? Should they be for or against this based on property value?
4: I, um, if we're talking about residential value, it may not be impact too much because it's a public housing, so it's not really a direct comparison. It will not really affect the private residential over there. But as you say, yes, population impact will. Uh, Bring more pedestrians, and then shops and uh, some commercial activities will be more, and that will help the area in terms of the 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 value itself. So that that's the angle, yeah.
1: Oh, so if I if I've got retail, if I've got retail close by, I got like retail properties, commercial properties. Those might see an increase in value just surely off the back of an increased population and foot traffic. Okay, and have the commercial community around there responded in that manner have they are they making representations? Are they speaking out on this?
4: I haven't heard um any welcoming message or against messages from those retail communities, but I think um that 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 portion is relatively small, and uh, people more concerning about overall Hong Kong development, like government want to do. Family offices a hub as an Asia, but we don't have a sufficient ledger facilities like a funding golf course. Is it really right direction? Mm. Um, or uh, ecological value? Is it really necessary to c- carve out that nine hectare out of a uh, funding golf course? I think uh, we are hearing more on this angle. Mm. Um, of course, there are people against. Oh yeah, public housing is more important. Golf course is such such a luxurious, but. Um, as you guys discussed, this is not really private and this has a lot of a benefit for public as well. So I think we have to look at um, different angle. And one thing I want to highlight here is like Singapore, they have around uh, 17 golf Coast by end of 2022. And they are counting around 1,450 hectares, which is almost double of Hong Kong. Hong Kong, we only have uh, 688 hectares of golf Coast and mo- most of them are uh, private. Mm-hmm. And uh, funding accounts for a um, good portion of out of the 688 hectares. So, in, in Singapore, government keep announcing okay, we are closing down some of the golf courses. Like to, since 2014, nine golf courses have closed down and they um, build the public housing and private housing.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: But, it's possible because they have a larger flat land and they, their, their overall hectare still maintains almost double of Hong Kong despite their population is smaller than Hong Kong, right? Huh. So I don't think this is something we should do. Oh, Singapore government is doing good. They're doing a prom decision. They also announced recently about closing down a race a horse race um, yeah. course to build a public housing there. Huh.
1: But,
4: but again, their income on that race, race are far, far smaller than Hong Kong. Hong so. Kong, we have seen keep increasing in terms of the the gambling revenue where Singapore they almost dropped a half if we compare like almost twelve years ago. Yeah. So that there's a different sentiment we have to reflect just not looking at the newspaper saying Oh, Singapore is uh, knocking down golf courses. Hong Kong should consider. Yeah. I think we have
1: to go deeper. It's di- It's a different situation. Hannah, you just, I did not know Singapore had a lot more golf courses per capita. So you're bringing the insights. Hannah Jong is going to stay with us after the news. She's the head of valuation and advisory services at Collier's. Timothy Pearson-Smith, managing director and founder of Executive Council, will also be staying with us. So stay tuned for more. Quick hit on the weather. Mainly cloudy with a few showers and isolated thunderstorms. Max temperature 33 degrees today. It is currently 29 degrees Celsius and 82 percent humidity.
0: It's 9:30, and now the news with Tom Warden. The government says it strongly opposes a letter that was sent by a U.S. congressional committee to the British Prime Minister Rishi Sunak. In it, the letter suggests taking a joint British-American approach towards the case of former media tycoon Jimmy Lai, who faces national security charges. President Biden and the British Prime Minister Rishi Sunak have announced what they called a new partnership between the U.S. and the U.K. after holding talks at the White House. The agreement covers defense, trade, and ways to regulate new AI technology. The former U.S. President Donald Trump says he has been formally indicted in the federal investigation into his handling of classified documents after he left the White House. US media have reported that he is facing at least several counts that include an obstruction, conspiracy, and giving false statements. We'll have more news for you at 10 o'clock. The bank
2: wants me to click this link to confirm a transfer.
0: A government department called and says I've broken the law. It asked me to click this link to enter login details. A new payee in my bank account? Do I need to click this link to check? Banks will never ask you to log into your internet banking account or provide personal information through links in SMS messages or email. The Hong Kong Monetary Authority reminds you, protect your personal digital keys. Beware of fraudulent links. The government has announced proposals on improving governance at the district level. The chief and deputy chief secretaries for administration will personally lead and coordinate district governance. People of different experiences and professions who are familiar with district affairs may enter district councils through various channels. District councils will focus on district affairs and collect and reflect public views to better serve the people. Improve district administration, build a better community.
1: And we're back on Backchat. I'm Andrew Work, working the airwaves with Mike Rouse this morning on the show. We are also joined by our guests, Hannah Jong, Head of Valuation and Advisory Services at Collier's, Timothy Pearson-Smith, Managing Director and Founder of Executive Council. And we'd like to welcome now on the line, Dr. Vera Yun, lecturer in economics at the HKU Business School the University of Hong Kong. Good morning, Vera. How are you doing? Hey, great to hear from you. So, um, Vera, we're going to let you pick up in a second, but Timothy wants to get on uh, the point that Hannah was making right before the break about what's going on in Singapore. Big announcement uh, this week or last week. I think it was this week that they're going to be shutting down their their 180-year-old racetrack, the horse racing track, uh, to make way for public housing. Hannah noted that they had shut down some golf courses, but also they still have, what, more than double The acreage of golf courses in Hong Kong, which is amazing given their population smaller. I heard Singaporeans were golf crazy, but I I didn't realize they had more than double uh, the golf courses that we do. Uh, Tim, do you want to pick up on that?
3: Yeah, just uh, picking up from what Hannah said, actually, that... uh, you should probably look at these things in context. So we've got a population of about 7.3 versus Singapore Mm. 5.7. We've got ten golf courses. They've got 19. Um, And I think the the other point that that I would make is that Singapore does recognise the kind of the importance of ecosystems and biodiversity and actually in the last couple of years has extended the leases of two of its golf courses, one to 2030 and one to 2040 purely recognizing the proximity of those two high ecological value areas. Mm-hmm. And so you know, maybe that's a lesson for Hong Kong. Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So, Dr. Ian, we're, you know, this is all about public housing, and uh, we've heard a number just, just a little bit above 33,000 people are going to live there. How much of an impact is this going to make on Hong Kong's overall public housing sector? Is it a drop in the bucket, or is it a significant contribution to the bucket? Where, where does it fall?
5: Oh, you, you mean me? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Um, well, so of course, uh, the demand for public housing in Hong Kong has always been high because that is much lower than the market price. And then it's proposed that that piece of land would, uh, supply 12,000 units of public housing, which approximately can host maybe 36,000 people in a public housing. So, I guess it's it's not only about the number, but it's about whether it adheres to uh, the magnificent presidency's grand vision of common prosperity. so if, if this is the first priority then um I think anything that then in between that became the obstacle and enemy to a country, so. That is the like most important thing, and what's better than pulling down a golf club that is owned by elite and build some public housing place? I mean, there are many similar things that already happened in the mainland China. So I think, iconically, this is actually more important than how many units that it can supply. Hmm. However, uh, I think that consideration here is about the business interest because. Um, practically, an authoritarian regime requires uh, legitimacy from economic growth after its revolutionary years, according to many literature. So practically, uh, business interest has to be taken into consideration. Another problem is, um, of course, there are strong lobbying against using any tiny piece of land from the golf club to uh, build like any, any other things on it. So we have seen many lobbying efforts like uh, from the business elites and you can hear from Regina Ape, you know, Ronnie Todd, you know, know, etc. This kind of people saying that. Um, But I I would say that even if you scrape the club, how much does it hurt business investment in Hong Kong? Like for, for foreign investment, do they care about whether you have this club or not? It, it, in that. Sense. so I think if we are to wait between the two, I think their case in both ways, but because the overarching vision is common prosperity. And then for business interests, i I do think there are other occasions they can like deal with like uh, you know the business meetings and other things. So, in terms of that, I guess using it to build public housing may be a more pressing need, so right. ideologically and also
2: practically. So, in in fact, you're, uh, if I'm hearing you correctly, it's a, a symbol, and potentially an important symbol of the government's determination to move towards common prosperity, give more emphasis to that. Would that be a, a reasonable summary?
5: Yes. I think there are, like her, you and other people, propose like alternative saying If we can find there's no need to put that. Which, practically, I do think so. But iconically, nothing can replace the importance of this site. Mm.
1: Hannah, when you're talking to people in the commercial sector, uh, land property investors, is this is this issue on their radar at all? Are they are they looking at this, or is it because it's like. I mean it's not it's not like a property investment that the government has pulled the rug out from under somebody. I mean it's it's uh, you know it's been there for a long time. It's it's not like Blackstone, you know, made a big investment here and it's being
2: The, taken the away. lease is running out, so they don't actually have to take it back. Yeah, yeah so, it, it I mean, falls so I mean
1: is is this is this having any impact on the commercial or, or you know on the on the real estate investment community or is this on their radar at all or no?
4: I think generally investors are keen to explore North Metropolis and there are different master plans came out. And I think that's more focused towards commercial developers or investors are very keen to enter nearby new MTR location, etc. So I don't think funding goes nearby. I don't think that's their radar yet. And I think just one thing what I want to add is government, they target to... Um, provided around 32,000 units per year in terms of public housing, and that, um, and then actual number they accomplished from 2017 to 2022, they met around 20,000 units per year in a different sources. So if a funding Gulf Coast can offer like 12,000, I think that's around half of their KPI per year amount. So mm-hmm. I think um, they can't just ignore that amount because that that has been identified but again our point is really is it is it priority do we have other options i think that angle we have to look at yeah tim um
3: yeah uh, thanks vera i i think um hannah made a point about other options and she might pick up on that but we're talking about nine hectares that's actually I think very achievable in, uh, in in many areas and when you look at the scale of 30, uh, 33,600 people relative to a bold you could say but uh, strategic northern metropolis of 2.5 million it is an absolute drop in the ocean. Um, so I think it needs to be looked at in in that perspective. Uh, yes, there's common prosperity, absolutely, but there's also ecological civilization. And in Hong Kong, we have laws uh, to protect the environment, the EIA ordinance, and those cannot be bent by, by anything. And I think the resolve that we saw with uh, the Advisory Council uh, responding to nearly 1,400 uh, public views, mostly, in fact, 99.9% opposing it. Town Planning Board had 700 representations, like the one that Mike mentioned. I think 98% of those objected. Shung Shui District Rural Committee unanimously opposed the project for flooding, cultural heritage, and traffic congestion and worries about the A&E uh, aspects of the hospital being congested and the North District Council also unanimously objected. So I think you, know, you also have to take in, in mind the public views and it certainly seems, and I'm looking forward to the hearings actually, Mike, next week, because one thing that Town planning board can be commended on is a very good public consultation process uh, mm-hmm. and the views of the public will be made known. We're just one member of the public, but I think it's important that those new views come out. And just one thing I'd... I've I've been involved in taking people around the golf course for five years, as I said. But one great story that I'd like to share was I took an architect around who'd never been, and his comment was, "Taking Fanling back for public housing is like taking a Stradivarius violin and turning it into firewood." Hmm.
1: Yeah, Mike. I think you, you from your days, Mike. Uh, for, list, for listeners who might not know, Mike spent his career in the civil service, and I think
2: uh, this. Actually, the, I think what Vera Vera's given us a clue here uh, in terms of the the wording. I think this uh, proposal was associated with a particular person mm. or small group of people, and as the facts come out, for example, there's a very precious form of wood that is where the state council has said must be preserved, Mm. cannot be uh, put at risk. As these various facts have come out, and I'm not sure all the facts have come out, there's been a bit of jiggery-pokery with the traffic impact assessment and so on, um, wholesale changes to the membership of the town planning board. The, it's something like someone has dug their heels in and said there has got to be housing on this site, Mm. irrespective of the arguments, irrespective of the facts again, and one or two people I think in, most of this was strongly in the previous administration, but I think one or two persons in the current administration owe their position to doggedly standing by mm. this. Mm. So from my experience of administration as you know, in the public sector for 34 years, I think this has now gone beyond reason. Mm. And I, I, I don't think we're now capable of... of Having a rational discussion with some people, mm. uh, our last hope really is that is the Town planning board.
1: Yeah uh, uh, I, I do want to let Vera to get a chance in, uh, to get in there, but Vera, you, you, know, you kind of suggested that we need uh, there needs to be a symbol of striving towards uh, common prosperity. Are there other targets that could be <laughs> you know if you wanted to make a show of soaking the rich, are there <laughs> other targets that the government could go after?
5: Maybe the clear water bay golf club. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, these are the icons. I mean, I, I know that there are mass development projects like the northern metropolis and also the uh, the Lantau Island did the reclamation of, of the island. So, I mean, if we go for a longer term perspective, we don't mind to wait, and then we we may not need to actually demolish the golf club. But mm-hmm. then it and then the government would have an argument about medium term, short term and long term supply. So they don't have enough like medium term supply. Mm-hmm. So the awful would be that medium term supply. But for I mean, to talk about reasons for ecological venue for alternative sites, I mean Golf club has an advantage of intense business interest that they are willing to pour resources to prove that they have good ecological value. But for northern metropolis, they don't have that concentrated interest. But there are groups, you know, environmental groups that say, you know, they also have ecological value. So in that sense, then you need to compare which one has better ecological value. And also, you know, the, the environmental assessment would say that, you know, sixty percent of the nine hatches actually. Uh, are used for ecological use, and only forty percent are used to build public housing. So they have done these things to really to you know make it more reasonable to kind of develop that that piece of land.
1: Mm. I've got a comment here from Chris who wrote in. Thanks, Chris. So he says, so they want to build housing on the golf course. Recently, they were talking about doing the same with country parks. So what happens when all this is concreted over? I guess it's a general plea for the ecology. Chris is how I'm going to take it. Um, but he, he raises the issue of country parks. And he's right. We were talking about taking away some of the country parks. And I have to admit, I've walked through some parts of country parks where you walk through and it looks like a junkyard. Um, you know, and I guess either maybe the solution is to clean it up a little bit or maybe something else could be done with it. I mean, Tim, uh, I'll give you the, the final word before we move on. But uh, what, I mean, could we, are there other sites that we could be using? Maybe maybe some of the less ecologically valuable parts of the country parks or some other parts of Hong Kong?
3: I, I think there was a very fierce debate in 2018 and uh, one might argue that the private recreation lease clubs were p- pitted against the country parks. Uh I think the country parks are very, very important uh, for future generations. We've got a proud legacy of 42% of our land area protected. And I could not uh, in any way say that those should be touched. Uh, Mm. I can reiterate and pick up for a quick point that Mike made about rare trees. We've got a Chinese swamp cypress that is critically endangered. It's it's rarer than a Chinese panda. We've got the 20% of the surviving world population about two kilometres and downstream from uh, a huge housing estate. And our assessment shows that, that the water table will be reduced and potentially the survival of those species will be uh, at risk. And as Mike said, they are nationally protected, internationally protected. And you know it's just one of many, as Christine Lowe said, one of the many sort of kaleidoscopic dimensions of the club and as i say we're looking forward to presenting to the town planning board to share some of the work that we've been doing for 111 112 years now not just for golfers but for mm. the entire hong kong community
1: okay and uh, before we uh, before we got on on air mike uh, russ and i were talking and he said when, you, when you, these projects are out there you have to go see for yourself to make a proper decision yep fair mike yeah Ab-
2: absolutely uh, f- it Something that looks sensible on paper or rational on paper, when you get there, it's nonsense. And it, and it works the other way around, too. Something on paper, they think, this is a very strange recommendation. Mm-hmm. Why do why they come up with this nonsense? You get out there and immediately the scales fall from your eyes. Wow. Okay. Of course that's all right.
1: And and Tim, I hear people can go visit the golf course, what, from 6 till 10 every night?
3: Yeah, and encourage encourage your listeners to go, so 6 till 10 every night, you can use the free car parking, you can even take a dog, so long as the dog is on the lead, and you can basically walk around this majestic uh, haven, I think. Um, You
1: you can't go like bring your golf clubs and start playing golf, but you can go walk the paths and see what is out there. You can't play
3: golf, but you can walk around, the kids can can play, Yeah, and actually it's been becoming increasingly popular. Um, um, the Great. car park still has spaces, but uh, yeah, really encourage your listeners to go and see for themselves. As Mike said, it's there you go. Unique. So, people
1: go see it yourself, make up your own minds because listeners to Back Chat are discerning, intelligent, and not afraid to uh, get out and see what's what. Thank you very much to Timothy Pearson-Smith, Managing Director and Founder of Executive Council. Thanks to Hannah Jong, Head of Valuation Advisory Services at Colliers International. And Dr. Vera Yun, Lecturer in Economics at the Hong Kong U Business School at the University of Hong Kong on Backchat. 95 years of public service broadcasting. Stay.
6: stay tuned with
5: Hong, Hong Kong. Kong.
0: Happy 95th birthday, RTHK. Thank you for 95 years of public
4: broadcasting service. Keep up the amazing work. I'm Janice Wailam. 95 years of public service broadcasting. 95 years stay tuned, stay tuned stay tune with, Hong with Hong Kong.
0: You're listening to Backchat. Call us on 233 eight
5: two double six and have your say.
1: And we're back on Backchat. I'm Andrew Work here with Mike Rouse and our next guest, Dr. Michael Rivera. He's a bioarchaeologist and biological anthropologist at the University of Hong Kong. And we are talking about the discovery in the rising star cave system in South Africa. Uh, Dr. Rivera, give us the lowdown. What, is,
6: what has been discovered out there? It's pretty interesting. I'm so happy to be here to talk about this. Um, I find it very exciting, too. Um, so, yes, I study human evolution and the path that we took to become the species that we are today. And um, let me just situate us. In South Africa, just northwest of Johannesburg, there is this um, cave system called the Rising uh, Rising Star Cave System. And it's very popular with adventurers and sports enthusiasts who love exploring caves. Um, almost 10 years ago, in 2013, two uh, recreational cavers were going down in deep roughly 30 meters underground and then they stumbled upon a chamber within rising star and they discovered many bones. They told the experts and these researchers believe that the remains belong to these 15 individuals of a human ancestor species um, that we didn't know about before and they named the species Homo naledi. N-A-L-E-D-I, because uh, Naledi means star in the local language, Sesutu, and it came from Rising Star Cave. So um, we can talk a bit more about the bones and and the larger picture, but what the latest buzz this week is all about is that the scientists now claim they have found evidence for Homo Naledi engaging in some kind of burial ritual, um, purposefully laying down members of the group that have died in burial graves. While also lighting fires and decorating the walls with engravings, and these are very, very big claims.
1: Yeah, this is this is pretty wild stuff. And my my understanding was that, uh, you know, they kind of formulated a hypothesis and they weren't sure. But as they discovered more and more, the as the weight of
6: evidence uh, mm-hmm. led them more and more in that direction. Can you talk a little bit about that? Um, when they first made the discoveries, uh, maybe perhaps in the first three or five years of research, um, it was so interesting that there were these um, specimens that were found so deep in a cave. Why, how could they have ended up there? Um, and they did some uh, stratigraphy. They did some studies of the soil. And they believe that uh, we at least know that they were dumped into the cave. But purposeful burial is the claim that's being made this week. And what makes that remarkable is that, you know, um, when we look at their bones, we can estimate on average that they were a lot smaller than us. Like a typical adult Homo naledi would would grow up to maybe about 140 centimeters tall and weigh only 40 kilograms. So that's significantly smaller than Homo sapiens adults. And when we look at their skulls, their brains are three times smaller than our brains. One-third the size, right? Yeah, Yeah, one-third the size. Mm -hmm. So for such a species so short and small-brained, we would expect Homo naledi to have lived maybe uh, two million years ago among species that didn't have big brains yet. However, when we did some dating of the fossils, what was incredible was that these individuals likely lived around the same time as Homo sapiens. Um, and so we like to assume that sapiens is special. We're the only clever species to engage in these complex behaviors. Um, but in fact, if these findings of, of cave engravings, fire use, intentional burial are well proven, which, which definitely not every scientist in my field agrees that they are, then the challenge then becomes, wow, that means that such complex behaviors um, don't require big brains necessarily, and Homo sapiens may not be that special, but then why is it then that do we have big brains?
2: But The the, the degree of socialization is, mm-hmm. is significant also, surely. Um, if people, let's put it crudely, animals just allow the, the fallen to lay where they died. Mm-hmm. Um once you get into, uh, I would have thought, human mode, um, that's when you, take, you have cultural pressures, you respect the dead and, and things like this. These, mm-hmm. these people seem to be much closer to us.
6: Yeah, and we know that some of the individuals were also um, elderly, older members of the community and also uh, younger children as well, and so a lot of reverence was paid to the dead. Um, and so... It it is quite remarkable. It is quite remarkable if, if the findings are well proven. Right, (laughs) Mm.
2: could be confirmed. I mean, the the sophistication. Could that extend to other areas?
6: Um, So uh, we haven't found any uh, evidence of any stone tools yet inside. Um, There's the. There's a sign that maybe one is still buried in there, um, and they use some um, similar technology to x-ray, to x-ray around where that is, and it seems to be some sort of stone, but whether it's a stone implement is uh, tricky because we haven't gotten out of the ground yet. Um, And there's this overarching sort of controversy or debate that's going on now with my friends and my colleagues because most of these claims um, are, are being made without totally understanding what is going on yet. There are two camps of people, those who believe that we should share more of these findings as soon as we get them, um, even if we don't have exact dates or all the details because there's an obligation to share this with the public. And then there's another camp of people who believe we should wait to be sure of our claims first, because if we find out that we overstepped or were misguided with our theories, then it will be difficult to walk those back later or it might lead to confusion and mistrust with the public later. So
2: people get too far down the wrong track and they can't they can't they can't get into reverse. Uh, Haven't I seen this stuff on CNN on on the television? uh,
6: They, they um, the, the the main team uh, are made up of um, an international team, um, and yes, they they have uh, there are National Geographic funded project, and so part of that will be um, a huge press junket, and you know the, there are many who promote open science and and the idea of being very open about the process, but uh, and that's where the field is moving towards, but I guess it's all in in how it's done, um, right? Because. Uh, I'm, I'm friends with the, the team who found them. I'm also friends with those who critique them very hard, <laughs> and so um, you know some would question whether this is the most professional way of doing things, uh, sort of jumping the gun, perhaps. Sure. Uh, on the got flip a, side, yeah, because they,
1: they, they got a Netflix special coming out in July, a books coming out in mm-hmm. August. So, so I guess mm-hmm. some people are, are who are in the you know, the camp of. Putting it out there as fast as possible. They're clearly moving quickly, but at, at some level, um, is, is there a concern that this is kind of confronting to people in terms of human identity? Because, uh, you know, I cited animal evolution, uh, mm-hmm. and you know there was the idea that oh, what makes humans special? We use tools, but then we found out that a wide variety monkeys, of animals, monkeys use tools
2: among others, oh,
1: uh, the monkeys, you know, birds, bur- birds, piles, piles of animals, you know, manipulate objects around them to achieve their aims, um, you know. The Homo naledi apparently was small, better adapted to climbing, I understand, so they start to sound like they were closer to uh, other primates, Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. like monkeys, and I mean, does this, this, but but then we're like, no, they buried their dead, they were using symbols, uh, perhaps even mathematics, Uh, perhaps, we don't know yet, but I mean, is this confronting to people about what it means to be human?
6: I think so. I think that we, um, you know, it dates back centuries ago uh, to the early philosophers and scientists. We, we really, really think that we're very, very special. <laughs> but I think that um, I, I, I don't want to speak for all biologists, but I think that you know, the more that we investigate and we find out that we're quite similar to other animals, I think it's quite a nice idea that we um, are actually part of a greater animal kingdom. Um, but yes, it is indeed a question. Like if these individuals were engaging in such complex behaviors but their brains were not that big then why is it that we have grown such Mm. big brains because homo sapiens and neanderthals that's a huge calorie cost for us to grow such big brains And and so if it wasn't for complex thinking why
2: right and the access to this venue was particularly difficult so Uh, I think the guy talked about losing a third of his weight or something. He he, he dropped
1: dropped 55 pounds, so he could go down 140 (laughs) long. So it really was
2: a a fluke that this was discovered at all.
6: Mm -hmm. Yeah, some parts are incredibly narrow, and there's this one passage called the, the Superman's Crawl, because in order to get through it, uh, you, well, you have to be slender <laughs> to begin with, and then you have to lay on your stomach with one arm held forward, like how Superman flies, mm-hmm. and then you kind of have to twist around like to turn as you go through this uh incredibly thin passage. Um, I remember when I was a uh, undergraduate student in the u k um, Lee Berger, who is the National Geographic Explorer, he posted on Facebook this search for colleagues who had an interest in human evolution and were skinny enough to, to make the journey to the chamber. Wow.
1: <laughs> wow. So, Dr. Michael Rivera, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Super interesting topic. Love this stuff. Bioarchaeologist and biological anthropologist at the University of Hong Kong for talking to us today about the discoveries around Homo naledi. Super cool. I, Mike can tell I'm really jazzed up about this stuff, and I'm glad to have him in the studio to witness this. It's Mike Rouse, Hong Kong broadcasting legend. Thanks for coming on with me today, Michael. Great. Um, uh, we don't do the weather at this particular time, but don't worry, we'll get there. Thank you very much to all of our guests today. Thanks to Mike. Thanks to our producer, Raphael Bled and James Lung in the sound box. On Monday, we'll have Backchat host Jim Gould and Mike Rouse again. Mike's back. This has been Backchat.